and welcome to this week's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talk about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. I am Bill Figueroa, your very own Bill in the China Shop, and today I'll be talking about ongoing developments in China's reaction to the Hamas attacks on Israel and Israel's subsequent siege of Gaza. After, I'll give you some of my reactions and thoughts on the impact that this might have on China's role in the Middle East as well as my own take on the prospects of China playing a role in this conflict overall. So without further ado or pointless rambling, let's begin. On October 7, 2023, Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israeli territory, killing hundreds of Israeli soldiers and civilians and taking several dozen more captive. This unexpected event set off an expected response. Israel declared war on Hamas, launched an assault on Gaza, and has killed several hundred Hamas fighters and thousands of Palestinian civilians of its own. At this point, Israel has declared a total blockade of Gaza, cutting off access to electricity and water, and has been bombarding the territory for days, leading to an ongoing humanitarian crisis. This most recent round of tragic violence, which is still rapidly unfolding and may yet escalate further, has rocked the region and sent analysts scrambling to understand the potential ramifications. One question that has arisen for many is the question of how the event will impact China. Now, 10 years ago, this might have seemed like a bizarre line of questioning, but the China of today has deep ties to the Middle East and has repeatedly put itself forward as a possible mediator between Israel and Palestine. In addition to its connections to Israel and the PLO, its involvement in Iraq, the Gulf, Saudi Arabia, and Iran are also potentially vulnerable to being negatively impacted by this conflict, especially if it escalates and has impact beyond the borders of Israel and Gaza. So it was likely with these issues in mind that China issued an official reaction from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs about the incident. Now, there are two elements to the official statement that I think are worth paying attention to. First, it is almost aggressively neutral. It explicitly avoids any condemnation of either side. Rather, Tensions and violence are passively arising between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and unnamed, quote, relevant parties are called on to remain calm and to negotiate. The second half of the statement simply reaffirms China's commitment to the international consensus of a two-state solution and an independent Palestinian state. Taken together, it's a statement that reflects the balancing act that China has continually attempted to play in the Middle East, between its political interests in supporting the Palestinian cause and its relatively robust economic relationship with Israel. While China does occasionally speak more emphatically in support of the Palestinians in their diplomatic efforts, its reaction to the use of violence tends to be more muted along these lines. And in that respect, the statement is fairly typical of China's foreign ministry in response to these kinds of situations. Now, typical or not, it has not been enough to satisfy Israel or the United States. Uh, senior officials at the Israeli embassy in Beijing said that Israel expected to see a stronger condemnation of Hamas from China due to the friendly relations between the two countries. One official was quoted as saying, when people are being murdered and slaughtered in the streets, this is not the time to call for a two-state solution. Perhaps in response, Mao Ning added a few days later that China is, quote, deeply concerned about the continued escalation of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict and regrets civilian casualties caused by the conflict. He also went on to say that China, quote, opposes and condemns actions that cause harms to civilians. 
But this was not enough to stop Chuck Schumer from condemning China and showing, quote, no sympathy or support for Israel during these troubled times. Now, after this initially cautious response, China leans somewhat in the direction of the Palestinians while maintaining a still neutral tone, adopting a stance that refused to condemn either side, but placed the blame for the conflict squarely on decades of Israeli occupation and frustrated aspirations for Palestinian statehood. According to the official Chinese position, as has been articulated in the media over the last few days by a variety of experts and talking heads, the conflict is being prolonged by the unconditional support for Israel offered by the United States. The wisdom of China's non-committal stance, by contrast, is that it leaves the door open for negotiations with both sides. On this basis, China claims that it is on the side of, quote, equity and justice. This stance puts it closer to its Arab allies, especially Saudi Arabia, which has now suspended all talks of normalization with Israel. Despite pressure from the U.S. and from Tel Aviv, China has so far refused to modify its position. Despite repeated questions from foreign media, China Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wan Wenbing and Mao Ning have both steadfastly refused to deviate from their official statements, endlessly repeating, as I just said, China has been on the side of equality and justice, we oppose acts that harm civilians and violate international law, we are committed to promoting peace talks and achieving a ceasefire, and we will continue to work for de-escalation and resumption of the peace talks. I mean, this is what they respond to literally any question about the conflict. The official response has also studiously avoided potentially controversial topics, like the number of Chinese civilians harmed in the attack. After days of avoiding commenting entirely and insisting that they were still gathering information, Wang Wenbing uh, acknowledged the death of Chinese citizens, stating that several were wounded and missing. His tone, however, was more conciliatory and concerned than angry or condemnatory, and he emphasized that the Chinese embassy in Israel was making every effort to make arrangements for those affected and safeguard Chinese citizens abroad. The question of an Israeli citizen stabbed in Beijing by a foreign national was equally glossed over in the same session. Beijing seems determined to keep an even keel come hell or high water. Wang Yi, China's senior diplomat, gave some hint of Beijing's potential approach to mediation on October 12th in a phone call with the chief advisor of the president of Brazil, in which the two exchanged views on the Israel-Palestine conflict. The senior Chinese diplomat expressed that the crux of the issue, according to him, was that, quote, justice had eluded the Palestinians for too long, and that the conflict was extremely brutal proof that the solution to the problem lay in dialogue and negotiations in order to realize the political aspirations of the Palestinian people. He proposed an international peace conference with what he called a greater authority and impact with the two-state solution serving for as its basis and said that China was formulating a roadmap and a timetable to achieve that. He also called on the Security Council of the United Nations to hold an emergency meeting focused on humanitarian concerns in the conflict, with the goal of demanding a ceasefire, bringing an end to violence against civilians, and forming a binding international consensus. Thus far, no word has come of China spearheading any such initiative, but Special Envoy to the Middle East, Jai Jun, has visited the region this week, apparently to, according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, quote, pool international consensus, urge relevant parties to stop hostilities, cool down the situation, and create necessary conditions for political settlement. So far, the only notable result is that after meeting with the Israeli ambassador, 
China has followed the lead of the United States and held off on attributing blame for the attack on a hospital in Gaza on October 17th, merely expressing its opposition to, quote, an attack on the hospital in Gaza. In short, despite the slightly more pro-Palestinian positions taken in the media, China is still walking this tightrope as best that they can. Now, the main audience on China's mind for all of this is likely not Washington, but rather the many Middle Eastern states that China has a substantial and growing economic relationship with. Its relationship with Israel is, as I said, robust and economically significant, providing China with important access to R&D resources and various technologies, although it has seen many setbacks in recent years in the face of growing U.S. pressure on Israel to temper its relationship with Beijing. It also has substantial diplomatic ties with Palestinian civil organizations, and has provided the PLO with diplomatic support over the decades. This balancing act has historically been an important part of China's ability to be one of the only countries to forge effective economic partnerships with nearly all the states in the Middle East. Although genuine support for the Palestinian cause has often been in short supply throughout the Middle East, it was important politically to be at least rhetorically in favor of justice for the Palestinians. More recently, when even Saudi Arabia has been toying with the idea of normalization of relations with, with Israel, this measured neutrality puts them on the same page as their Arab allies. Given its growing economic role in the Middle East, it's not surprising that Beijing has also put itself forward as an important player in regional politics. In addition to its high-profile involvement in the normalization deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran, China has frequently made statements in support of a negotiated settlement between Israel and Palestine. It's even gone as far to propose, repeatedly, a set of vague, overhyped talking points referred to grandiosely as Xi Jinping's four-point plan for peace. In the jubilant aftermath of China's successful mediation between Iran and Saudi Arabia, Many analysts and regional commentators found themselves asking whether Beijing would be able to have a positive impact on this or other regional conflicts. Unfortunately, in my view, for those who wish to see a China-brokered Israel-Palestine settlement, there's really little to no chance that China is going to be able to play any substantial role in this or any other conflict involving Israel. Setting aside the empty content of some of these proposals, there's almost no chance that Israel would be willing to agree to Chinese mediation. And why would they? They hold most of the cards right now and are under no real pressure to negotiate, and their main ally, the United States, is, doesn't seem to be inclined to apply any. Unlike the settlement between Saudi Arabia and Iran, in which both countries were of relatively equal power and had a vested interest in a settlement, in this situation, Israel is the dominant power and has no interest in negotiated settlement. Even if it were, it would be unquestionably more likely to turn towards the United States, which is much more sympathetic towards Israel than it is towards the Palestinians. And so we find ourselves in the current situation. Despite high hopes in the aftermath of the Beijing-brokered Iran-Saudi agreement, and despite China's bluster about bringing peace to Palestine, in the midst of this conflict, China is really nowhere to be found. This unenviable and somewhat embarrassing situation was inevitable given the contradictions between China's self-portrayal as a Middle East peacemaker and its actual capacity to perform that function. Sooner or later, a conflict was going to break out, and China would hit the limits of its ability or desire to get involved. It's only because the situation has unfolded in such a violent and dramatic fashion that the contradiction has been made so readily evident. 
but we should hardly be surprised that there are American and not Chinese warships sitting off the coast of Tel Aviv today. In the end, it's difficult to predict what impact this event will have on China's Middle East policy until it's over. In the short term, it's certainly going to end the wave of reconciliation sweeping the region that China was so fond of taking credit for, at least in terms of the Arab-Israeli reconciliation. But fundamentally, little seems likely to change when it comes to China's policy. While it is true that the incident has somewhat damaged China's regional prestige, and given the lie to the notion that China could bring peace to the Middle East, I think that most regional elites, and honestly, probably Chinese uh, political planners, were not expecting much more from Xi Jinping than they did from Jared Kushner in this regard. Their interest in China as a potential negotiating partner may take a hit, or at least their faith that, in a conflict, China can be relied upon to take a firm and unwavering positive uh, role in support of their interests, but their interest in China as a source of trade and investment isn't going anywhere. Their relationship with the Arab world, therefore, is unlikely to be impacted. If anything, their neutrality may be read in the context of a welcome departure from the staunch support for Israel that's being displayed by the majority of Europe and the United States. This concludes today's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talked about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. Reading Beijing is part of the Pursue Media Minutes podcast series, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Pursue Media Minutes offers podcasts of select Pursue Media analyses on Iran, China, and the MENA region. Pursue Media itself provides media research, open source intelligence, analysis, AI-driven analytics, and strategic communications consultancy. You can find out more about the services Pursue Media offers by checking out their website, PursueMedia.com, or finding them on LinkedIn or Twitter under at Pursue Media. Until next time, my name is Bill Figueroa, and this has been Reading Beijing.